0: One problem facing people at many levels of business is how to make time for a work life and a personal life. Do you find that one seems to keep getting in the way of the other? This is the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Even if you're not involved in the business world, you'll have a lot to gain by tuning in to today's show. Now, here is your host, Rick Morris.
1: And welcome to another edition, the pre-4th of July edition here at the Work-Life Balance. So excited to have you guys along. I can't believe it's Friday already. Had one of those weeks where, you know, we're in transit and travel, uh, and you kind of wake up and Friday's here. So, so excited to be here. Um, As a reminder, next week we will not be live, as that's Daddy Camp. If you don't know what Daddy Camp is, you can research that on one of our past shows. And while we're speaking of one of our past shows, um, I announced that Todd Neslany, who uh, was on our show twice now, uh, and that we developed a relationship with, is now made it to the top ten of the John Maxwell Leadership Team Award. So we're so excited to, to have Todd along with that. Uh, he and I have been exchanging emails. He's such a genuine person um, and probably one of the best educational minds that, that I've ever met. So we're so excited to have nominated him. Um, and now he's made it to the top 10. So we feel pretty cool about that. Um, so we're going to get right into today's show because I'm so excited to have this guy. He's one of the coolest people I know. Um, and not only that, but extremely <laughs> inspirational at the, at the same time. Um, This gentleman founded the Ugandan Water Project in 2008 with the vision to leverage clean drinking water projects to help communities transform themselves out of poverty. Now the organization has completed more than 430 major projects serving more than 150,000 people across Uganda. And under his leadership, this team has achieved innovative improvements to standardized practices in water, sanitation and hygiene projects, Uh, resulting in a set of solutions recognized as among the best in class in uganda and over the past decade he has accumulated a proven combination of strategic skills and experience throughout his work in east africa and is now pivoting it to add practical value to teams and individuals hungry to overcome persistent obstacles and maximize opportunities to achieve their mission now i was at a john maxwell team event and was hosting uh, the first time I think he was hosting the Mastermind night, and this gentleman sat down at my table. We had an instant connection, um, and it's just been fostered since then. So I'm so excited to have him on the show. Let's welcome James Harrington to the show. James, how's it going, man?
2: Hey, Rick, it's good. Uh, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: And see for the, for for the people that are that are visually watching the show, they they can see you're one of the coolest people I know. I mean. He, <laughs> You can rock a t-shirt pretty good. I I don't know. I'm going to go ahead and be uncomfortable here and just say, I've got a man crush on you. And uh, I think you're, I I think the world of you, dude. And uh, I'm so excited that you're going to spend the next hour with us. So um, announce yourself a little bit more, introduce yourself a little bit more to the audience though.
2: Yeah. Hey everyone. It's good to be here. Like, like Rick said, I have one of the greatest jobs in the world. I get to lead the Ugandan water project. And if you're wondering what that is, it's just as cool as you would imagine. Uh, the work we do is hard, but it is amazing, and I am so glad to be able to share some of that with you today.
1: And so we were talking, you know, uh, we were talking here in pre-show, you know, I've been raving about my Costa Rica experience, and um, that's, that's been one of the most downloaded shows that, that we did. I just did one called My Experience with Transformation Costa Rica, uh, it, because it, it was one of the first times where I really felt my purpose and my passion were connected. And when I look at you and and we talked so much when we were at the at at the John Maxwell team event is I I feel like that's what you've got kicking. And so this isn't even really work. I mean, it's got all this stuff of work, (laughs) but when your passion and your purpose meet, then it really takes a, a, a kind of a life of its own. Is that true?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it's a real gift to be able to uh spend every day working in something that has that colli- collision of of passion and purpose. And uh and it really does. You know, if you find something that you love to do, then you'll never work a day in your life. And and I get to experience that every day. Now, it does given the theme of your show, the work-life balance, it does bring some challenges when you love what you do, um how to how to strike that balance, but it is so good kn- knowing that When I go to bed at night, I know that what I did today mattered and that I believe
1: in it. And I wake up knowing that I believe in what I'm about to head into again. Well, let's pivot on that for a second, because the the way you said it, I think it was perfect. A lot of people ask me or I I hear people say there's no such thing as a work life balance. And I also hear people say, you know, that's just a myth or whatever. I think it's until you really match and, and do what you're doing work life balance it, it doesn 't exist because it 's fluid and fluent because your life is your work, your work is your life, and everything else kind of just falls in between. is that fair
2: yeah, you know I think Rick, to be honest, most of us have the wrong picture when we think about work life balance. We picture a scale right the scales of justice, so to speak, and we 're trying to even it out, but the truth is I think the the image we should latch onto for work-life balance is more about balance in terms of what an athlete or a dancer or a wrestler experiences where you have extreme dynamics and balance in that context is about um, intentional movement and control without injury. And, And I think that's a better image of the lives we live. Very dynamic, very fluid, and yet balance is about how you move with intentionality without damaging parts of your life. Does that make sense?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it also, you know, even though I'm on vacation next week, explains why I'm going to get up and work on Saturday morning. Um, so it, it, it's the truth of the matter. But, you know, when you care and you're passionate, then you've got to do what you've got to do. Tell me, how did this whole Ugandan water project start? I mean, you didn't come out of school going, you know what, I think I'm gonna start a nonprofit that gives clean water to Uganda. So, I mean, help, help me with how you got here.
2: Yeah. No, absolutely. I actually in 2007, in May of 2007, I crashed a barbecue and I just recommend that as a way of changing the world. So if you're going around the summer and you see a barbecue, swing on by, grab a plate and see what happens. But I I actually stopped by a friend's house on Memorial Day weekend in 2007 and uh, grabbed a plate of barbecue and sat down next to a guy from Uganda and had a conversation that ended up pivoting my life around. And uh, this guy was from Uganda. He was trained as as a teacher. He had started schools. He was also working as a pastor. And I was just, I love other cultures. So connecting and hearing stories with this guy, uh, hearing how much of his life was so similar in terms of some of the roles. We were both working with with young people. We both had families. And uh, he had so much charisma and so much education. What a, a great guy. And yet, looking at the context of life for his family each day versus my family, uh, there are so many contrasts about the context that we lived in. And even in that first conversation, Rick, uh, this this man was telling me that one of the biggest challenges he faced was standing in front of classrooms and congregations and looking at faces of people that didn 't have uh, food to eat didn 't have clean water to drink and and I just I, I said Whoa whoa whoa, tell me more about that because i i wasn 't clueless that that was real in the world, but i hadn 't really encountered people that that was their daily life up until that point, and i I really wanted to know more and and that started me on on a journey to really investigate and understand that and, and it wasn't long of doing some homework, looking online, talking to people that I said, hey, I think I can do something to help this guy. And some friends of, and, and I decided to start raising some money on a basic idea that we had to help uh, provide rainwater collection systems, rainwater harvesting systems for um, a couple of community buildings that he had connections to. And it was a, about a year after meeting him that I ended up in Uganda with a few friends, having raised some money on some hopes and dreams and and really expecting something to really happen, but a little fear about whether or not it would work. And we saw that these first two rainwater systems
1: installed on community buildings, and it just rocked my world. That's, that's so cool. I love the intentionality to going, you know, one of my favorite quotes that John says is the only difference between people with good intentions and bad intentions is People with good intentions are generally nicer, but otherwise there's no difference. But the, you know, so you just jump into this this nonprofit world. Um, what, what was it like though culturally in the cultural difference, say, between you and, and the Ugandan people?
2: You know, it, obviously Uganda is a, is a very different place. East African culture is different than what we experience here in the U.S. There was a lot of differences. I, one of the things that hit me right away was, uh, was presence. You know, in our world, here in the U.S., in our daily lives, we're so, we're multitasking. We're doing six or seven things at once. There's four or five conversations waiting for me on my phone at all times. And and yet in Uganda, where you're, when you're present with somebody, everything stops. A priority is given to presence. And that was one of the first things that hit me was, wow, this is powerful. Sometimes availability is, is your greatest ability. And... It, it really had a profound impact on me and changed the way that not only I was processing that first trip, but also I brought that back and uh, really changed the way I tried to engage with my family, with the people that I'm with to prioritize who's in front of me at that moment. That was one of the
1: first things I noticed, but yeah, the culture is different. Yeah. And, and of course I, I, I just made this remark. Uh, I was at a, a dinner table last night or two nights ago with a client. You see a family of four, all of them on their phones. You're like, dude, dude." (laughs) right? I mean, you guys are right. I was, I was wondering if they were texting each other. Like they can't even have a conversation (laughs) anymore beyond that. (laughs) But, um, so we're going to get into, you know, I want to make sure that we get into advantages, disadvantages, a small nonprofit, Um, but, uh, and I definitely want to get into some stories of how this goes, but talk for just a second, um, and we've got about two minutes before our first break, of just what the rainwater collection system is, what it does, that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, basically, we take a community building, like a church, a school, a clinic, an orphanage, something that has a large roof space, roof uh, square footage, and has a place already in the community, and we put a big polyethylene tank and the gutters and a, and a few mechanisms to help clean up the quality of the water. And we attach that to the building. We, we take advantage of a, an existing relational structure and physical structure and we catch rainwater. And then we also equip the, the facility with water filters so rainwater can be safe, clean drinking water. And so that's one of our primary solutions that we deploy is these rainwater systems. That was what we did first. It's certainly uh, where, what we've perfected the most and we're recognized in Uganda as having the best rainwater collection systems that you can find. And that's just been a relentless pursuit of trying to get better and better and better, always learning. And, uh, and it's, it's it's simple, but it really has a profound impact.
1: So, we're going to take our first break here. When we come back, I want to hear a couple of stories of those implementations, right? I got a lot of project managers that listen to us, a lot of executives. I'm sure, you know, project nightmares are always great stories, but how you (laughs) overcame those as well. Um, So, I'd love to get into those right when we get after the break, but we'll be right back with James Harrington. You're listening to Rick Morris and the Work-Life Balance.
0: (laughs) Allow R Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit RSquaredConsulting.com today.
1: From the boardroom to you, Voice America
0: Business Network. You are tuned in to the work life balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at one 472 5790 Again, that's one 472 5790 If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance.
1: And we're back to our second segment of the Work-Life Balance, visiting with James Harrington. He founded the Ugandan Water Project, and uh, we were just talking about your rainwater collection systems. But uh, tell me a story. Give me a project story of getting one of those in, or just any story of transformation out of Uganda.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, I remember one of, one of the first schools we worked with uh, was Colway Primary School. This school was about two hours outside of Kampala, the capital. And it's a, it's a rough drive on on pitted, rutted, red dirt roads. And uh, so it's, it's, real, it's real Ugandan bush up there. And I remember the first day we drove to that school, they knew that we were coming to bring a rainwater system. And when we pulled up, we could see, uh, even before we got to the school, literally the, the students were lining the road and they had branches and they're like shouting and jumping and they're waving branches. And I looked at uh, our driver and I said, it's almost like some, like the president's here or some famous person. And he looked at uh, us and said, do you realize what the impact you're going to have in this community? This is a big deal. And we got out and we realized that these students' lives were going to change. Now at the time that school had about 200 students and it was, it was a, a school with a lot of teachers that believed in it, but it was, it was a struggling school and we installed a rainwater system there, and we went on to install two others as it continued to grow, because once that clean water source came to that school, students began to to come, and and parents would enroll new students, and over the years that we've worked with them, they now went from 200 students to 500 students. The school director, Paul Cheyune, actually just came to the U.S. Um, a, a month ago and was able to travel with me, and and he was telling me that they're now one of the top five schools in their district. And it's, he said, one of the biggest catalysts for change. Really, it all started when we brought those rainwater systems. And it just is amazing when you realize that absent, absenteeism drops, enrollment goes up, uh, the gender balance of, of more girls go, being able to go to school. All these things just go up and to the right. When clean water comes to comes to the school, and it was an amazing thing to be part of, and we continue to go back and stay in relationship with Calway primary school
1: It would be really exciting, and I, I know you 're looking at that, but I, I already want to fast forward ten years right and see <laughs> right the success stories of the kids and that kind of stuff that that 's coming through I know that that 's a, that's a driver. Logistically, it's got to be difficult to get the materials you need, get everything shipped down there. I mean, you had to figure all that stuff out, though, as a business owner, didn't you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. My, you know, my background was I was a road and tour manager for a band, and, uh, and so I was used to handling logistics, the combination of logistics and relationships, right? It's, it's the nuts and bolts and the, and the people who are turning the nuts and bolts. And, uh, and so project managers out there certainly understand all of that. You know, it's, it's really an orchestration of all these moving parts. And it was, and you're working in Africa. So the truth is we don't have a lot of options for materials we're going to use. There's not a lot of standardization. You can't always count on quality. You're often making decisions from 7,000 miles away. It's a challenge.
1: Absolutely. And, and to find good people that you can rely on as well.
2: Absolutely. It's always, you know, you're only ever as good as the team that you've got working for you.
1: But I would imagine with all those logistics, all the shipping, even having to go to Uganda, that's still easier work than trying to be a road and tour manager. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we had that discussion. <laughs> it, it can be tough, I'll tell you. It's a, it can be a
2: thankless job when you're slinging gear and sleeping it sleeping under the in a in a truck and under a stage. Yeah. So no, it, I do like this work a lot, and you know, in some ways, it's not all that different. But yeah, I, I, that was a that was a tough life for sure.
1: <laughs> Eating ketchup packets because that's all we could afford. Um, not that go. I ever did that. Um, <laughs> I don't know. What you're about. The, the thing that blows me away about what you do and everything that we're talking about is almost the nonchalance of how we're talking about clean water. Right. And so I, I, you know, I I want the audience to really take and soak that in for a second that like, if we, if we go somewhere and there's not water bottles or, I mean, it's just how easily accessible clean water is to us. But if anybody's ever gone through a rough patch where their water was turned off, you know, what was the four days like (laughs) that, that, that that occurred or there was a water main break or something of that sort? And then try to put yourself into, you know, your child growing up, going to school now and don't have access to that. I mean, talk about that for a moment.
2: Yeah, you know, we really are blessed in in our country to have such stable water systems. But the reality is, you know, most families have to wake up long before the sun and send somebody to walk over an hour to get clean water, to get water, period. And often the water they're getting, they're getting out of a swamp or out of a stream or a pond and it's not safe to drink, but they still have to walk over an hour to get it and carry it back, it's heavy. I mean, we're talking about toil every single day, and then you have to go fetch wood to boil that water. Once you boil it, you have to wait for it to cool because there's no refrigeration, and this is the life that you live every single day. And we go into communities, Rick, where not only are they getting water out of a swamp, uh, but the water is salty, so it's not just contaminated, even when you boil it, it's still salty. And, and we literally in our country, I mean, Rick, the same water supply that, that supplies your sink where you drink out of also supplies your toilet. You flush your toilet with drinking water. That's the world we live in. And I don't say that to be an angry activist. That's just me you know, trying to put it into reference for us that this is such a different life experience.
1: And next to oxygen, water is our greatest need. I love that you said that because I I think there's two classifications. There's the angry activist, the one who's going to pro they'll fly everywhere to protest, but they won't do Jack about the problem. And then there's (laughs) the guy who's actually going and solving the problem. You know what I mean? It's just two totally different people. There's, there's the complainers and the doers. And I'm so happy that you're a doer and that you're, that, that you're really, you know, going after and making, again, making this difference. But, um, Let's let's pivot a little bit into the the small business side of this too, right? Sure. I mean, you you run a small nonprofit, I run a small business. Um, yeah. What what are some of the challenges and things that you've overcome, you know, in in that? And, and what are some of the positives, really?
2: Yeah, you know, a story that comes to my mind, and you'd probably appreciate this. It with any small business or small organization, so oftentimes you know, especially as founders, it's hard work starting anything. And often as the little guy, we're looking up the food chain to some of the, the big players, you know, and it's they're in an enviable position. I had a chance to have dinner one time with, with Richard Stearns, the president of World Vision, one of the largest NGOs in the world. And I had a chance to ask him a question that I'd thought really hard about. Like, if I only get a chance to ask him one good question, what is it? And I said, hey, Richard Stearns, If you know, so often I sit at you know my fence, looking at how green your grass is. But I know enough about life to know that there's probably some things that I should be turning around and looking at my own yard and revaluing and and giving more credit to. So what is it that you, as the big guy, sit in your yard at your fence and gaze in my direction and say, "Oh, I wish I was I had that," you know, in, in our organization. You know, basically, how do I how do I not take for granted the smallness? And he really had. He had three quick responses to what he said he, he envies about small organizations. First one he said is, he goes, how long does it take to get consensus in your organization? He is at two, maybe three phone calls. He said, for us, it's two to three months. And so there's no agility. And uh, that's, that's a real challenge. He said, the other thing is, uh, he, he said, who's watching when you fail? He is because everybody's watching when I fail. And at the time, they had just been in the news for a, an HR policy change and everyone was crucifying them on either side. And uh, he said, you guys can experiment and fail forward and you can take big risks. And if you fall down, you can get back up again. He goes, it's so hard to do that when you're the big guy. And then lastly, he said, I bet you really envy, you know, the fact that we raise... At the time, a billion dollars in the US every year. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and he goes, well, that means I had to raise, I have to raise $3 million every day and I didn't do it today. Wow. Yeah. And so that really, it just helped me to say, you know, value the agility you have when you're small, value the, the experimentation and the ability to really um, try new things and experiment and innovate. And then recognize that with big growth comes a big demand. And so, be grateful for all of the different things that come with, as he said, you're not
1: small, you're boutique. <laughs> no, and, and I actually build myself. But, you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I run a consulting firm and I've got, a, uh, I've got you know, two major competitors in, in my world. And one of them's huge. And mm. each year, and we both support a, a common partner. And each year that partner comes to me and says, well, why aren't you expanding? And I was like, well, do you like that company? And they go, well, we like them, but we hate that we run into them so much. And I was like, well, if I get their size, I'm going to have to compete directly with you. And that's not something I want to do. If I stay small, then we can complement each other. I go big. I've got more families to feed. I'm going to have to crush and, and get deals that maybe you don't want me to go get, right? That right. you guys want to kind of hold to yourself. So, but, it's, but it's interesting in that because everybody thinks that when you start the business, the goal is to get to X amount, right? right. But it, it really isn't. Um, So, with that, when it comes to fundraising, uh, let me actually take a step back on that. When it comes to you as a leader, what are you finding the most difficult to divide your time between, you know, wishes and needs, right, in in that scenario?
2: Yeah. So, you know, in terms of the role,
1: the different roles I play, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Also, just, you know, how do you have to focus your time to be most efficient? Because, you know, you, you wear 11 hats at the organization. Exactly. I think one of the hardest things is uh, is going
2: between the the present and the future. So the present operations, what's happening today? What does my team need? What are the the, the operational challenges in today's workflow? And then recognizing uh, ultimately, uh, you know, I'm the only one that's thinking and, and having to th- live in the future. Where's the organization going? What do we need a year or two years or three years from now? And so, it does feel like, you know, time travel and it can be a little bit, you know, whiplash when you're trying to jump from operations to strategic planning. And so that that's probably been the biggest challenge of managing a small team in an organization that is, you know, aggressive, innovative and, and moving forward fast is snapping back and forth between. You know, you see, we see shows about that on, on television, what happens when you, you keep leaping through time. Yeah. <laughs> and I, some days I feel like, you know, I, I'm disintegrating because part of me is in the future and part of me is in the, in the present.
1: Well, we're going to take our next break right here. And uh, when we come back, we've got really something exciting that we want to talk to you about. When you come back to the Work-Life Balance and visit more with James Harrington, you're listening to Rick Morris.
3: CAPPM is designed to work the way you do. Doers are empowered, planners are enabled, helpers are elevated, and customers are engaged. All while you maximize performance and portfolio value. It's little wonder that CAPPM is the industry leader with more than 2 million happy users worldwide, not to mention world-class consulting and implementation partners. So why not give CA Project and Portfolio Management a closer look and make everything you've got put you out in front?
0: Are you getting the most out of your project management software?
1: To business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
0: You are tuned in to the Work Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's one 472 5790 If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance.
1: And we're back to the work-life balance with our third segment with the founder of the Ugandan Water Project, James Harrington. So, James, talk to me. Um, so, you go install a rain system, but, I mean, like, what does that cost? And, and, and do, do you have to charge anything to the country of Uganda? What, how does that work? Sure. Yeah, so we, we do several different kinds of solutions, but we've been talking about these
2: rainwater systems for schools. And a system like that, we're talking about a 10,000-liter tank and all of the different – pieces that go with it and the, and the filters, that's $3,600. And we are an organization that has chosen to really lean into grassroots fundraising. We believe that the, the values of our communities here in the U.S. and uh, uh, the families and individuals and businesses can be leveraged to make tremendous change in communities in Uganda. And so we we raise money the old-fashioned way. We talk to people, tell stories, and ask them to, to join us in an adventure and a dream that is worth it. And uh, we do ask the the local communities who receive these to make some simple uh, contributions themselves towards like stone and sand and bricks, you know, materials that are found in their communities. Uh, but a, a majority of what we're doing requires uh, outside funding. And we do that right, right through just, just connections like this in our, in our communities.
1: So essentially for that community, right, they really, other than Materials and, and and some labor, but they want to. It, it's really no cost to them. It's 100% donated to them.
2: Yeah, I mean, I will I will point out we always require some skin in the game because it makes sense. They yeah, help create, but a majority of the cost has to be carried still by outside partners like us.
1: Yeah, it's like having a free webinar. If you charge them for lunch, at least they'll know they'll show up. Seeing, you know what I mean? Yeah, they <laughs> totally get yeah. that part. But but so just to be clear, thirty six hundred dollars all in, and you can impact a school just like the, the story you told in the previous segment.
2: Absolutely. We can provide, you know, 250 students at a school can receive a, a water system that'll provide for them in the last 20, 25 years for $3,600. It's, it's really a profound impact when you figure out how much, how much it, you know, per year per student. You're talking pennies. It's amazing.
1: So you're firing me up here and uh, (laughs) listen, I've been doing the show for three years. We've had, we've had tremendous guests. I don't think I've ever done this, but I want to do something that, that we've just, you know, we've never done on the show. Um, But it's inspiring me because 3,600 bucks based on the, I mean, even if any of the the listeners that listen every month, if everybody gave a dollar, we can get 3,600 dollars in, in have a you know? I just want my logo on it, but um, though get a work life balance rainwater system for for I mean, but really to impact generation after generation. I mean, we're talking about you know three four generations that we can impact by doing this. Is that correct? That's absolutely true. And you know, Rick, it's really fitting because you're
2: talking about work life balance, and what better way to to live that out than taking what we earn through our work and taking it and put, putting it into the values of our life by sacrificially giving and the generosity and compassion that's expressed by giving water and giving life in a very practical way for a school in Uganda.
1: And I can tell you, I get hit up by people all the time for money and, and you don't know where it's going. This one just has a different feel. It, it just does. I mean, again, imagine yourself for two days without water and access to clean water. And that's the, you know, for 10 bucks, if everybody, if everybody right now threw 10 bucks in, that was listening. I mean, again, 700, 800 kids, plus their families, oh, obviously, yeah. but 700, 800 kids yeah. could solve a situation that we take for granted. Is it, Am I saying that right?
2: Absolutely. And, and here's the the truth. We work fast. We feel a sense of urgency. So, the truth is, from the point that we receive the funding and we fund the project, we have that system installed within 30 to 60 days because we believe that it's important for the people. So there's very little between you and I on a microphone right now and our listeners that are joining us. There's very little between this conversation and actually making a difference for the, for the lives of those students. We work fast and we work very simply and very direct.
1: So I'll tell you what, I'm going to double up the commitment. So our sponsor is CA. I know they have a giving program, and I'm going to make this challenge. And CA sponsors this program if our audience can actually come through. And you can set up a what? You set up a web page in anticipation of hooking me. Is that is that fair? Somewhat.
2: Yeah, actually, it was on the break we were talking about maybe this was a possibility. And so my assistant who was overhearing this, actually, she, you know, she's like, oh, well, let's put a page together. This sounds interesting. This is get, starting to get interesting.
1: <laughs> it is. So first announce this, and then I want to announce the challenge and what we'll do to match.
2: Yeah, so we're, we're, we put a web page up at ugandanwaterproject.com slash work life. And uh, and that is specific to this effort that we're doing right now, which is to bring a, a rainwater system to a school in Uganda.
1: So for, for my engineers listening as well, if we can make sure that links in our show notes. So, you know, if you're driving and whatever you wanna make sure you get to that link, I'll make sure that we tweet that out as well under at Rick A. Morris and, and uh, we'll put it onto our Facebook page. But here's the deal. If our audience can come through and raise the $3,600 necessary, then I'll make sure that we get a matching of that through our corporate sponsors so that we can get at least two, but for every one. So let's, let's not stop at one, right? So let's, let's go for the 3,600. But if, if we can exceed that goal, I will get it matched. And if I can't get CA to do it, I'll do it personally. How's that?
2: That would be amazing. And the truth is, we have over 300 sites on our waiting list that we've already been to, we've already assessed, and they are waiting for an opportunity like this. So the truth is, there is almost unlimited potential for your audience to be involved and for us all to have a part in actually giving water and saving lives in in Uganda. And it's, it's real, it's direct, and it'll happen fast.
1: And so let me, again, in three years, audience, hopefully I've built some credibility with you or you wouldn't be listening at all. And I don't think I've ever asked you to take action based on a guest that we've had. And I would love to see this. Now, I promise you this as well. If we, if we come through, I'm not going to ask in every show as well. This is something special um, that I think we need to do. And I think it's something special that we all need to pitch in and do. Uh, And again, 10 bucks is going to make a huge difference. To, to you know drinking water so if everybody just threw ten dollars in um, we can easily meet that goal that, that's listening to this to this broadcast so uh, James we'll, we'll watch that I'll keep uh, uh, tabs on that I'll keep announcing to the audience from this point forward how we're doing on that until we hit the goal
2: that's awesome. That would be incredible. And I can't wait to see what the listeners of this show are able to actually participate in and, uh, and, and create transformation and really express their work-life balance values uh, through the work we get
1: to do. We're, we're excited to partner with you guys. This is awesome. Oh, that, uh, we, can't, we can't wait either. So, let's, so I'm not going to make this whole segment about yeah, yeah. fundraising, but, but I, so as we go through um, – Talk to me about that process, though. So you've got 300 schools, you're saying, or 300 sites at this point, could be school, could be church, could be something, but 300 sites that are ready to go. So let's say you raised $3,600 in two weeks. Talk talk us through that process of, of what happens next.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, from there as soon as we uh, finalize funding, we're communicating with our team on the ground. We have 14 staff on the ground, they're all Ugandan, except for one who's married to one of the other staff. Uh, And so they begin to, to prepare the location, communicate and say, hey, this is gonna happen begin to get ready for it in your community. Let's line up who's going to help us with some of the labor. And uh, then we wire the funds over. We maintain a stockyard of materials. So we're always ready to to go. And so we'll begin to load up and, you know, it's just, it's project management, right? We're, we're ticking through the list of getting materials ready, making sure that the, the site's prepared. We're scheduling our crew in with the other work. Usually we're, we're installing these, these uh, systems in pairs so we're matching it up with with another installation and then uh, when the, the time comes we'll on early on a Tuesday morning we'll load the truck the night before and we'll head out into these villages and it takes about a day and a half to actually construct and install a rainwater system it goes very quickly we've got about six guys on the crew and they they know what they they each know their job really well in a, in a day and a half they'll have it completely installed and uh, and then we'll they'll get pictures and reports back to us that we can pass on to everyone that was part of it so it actually you know we work very quickly
1: that's awesome god and so (laughs) would you take volunteers to go help because uh, now i want to go install one right i want to go see this thing
2: happen yeah so so, you know we 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 (laughs) i I don't want to
1: overcommit, but
2: no but well see here's the truth like we can't always, we don't always want to wait for a volunteer trip but twice a year we take a team of volunteers, 10 to 12 volunteers over to Uganda for a two-week trip and you have the opportunity to work side by side with our crew and learn what it's like to be part of this organization to understand and get to know people in these communities to close that gap so this isn't just about a financial transaction. This is about a community relationship, and it's an incredible experience. In fact, we have a team leaving at the end of July, and uh, they'll be going and and doing just that, and it's an incredible experience to be there in East Africa, in Uganda, and interacting with some of the people that you're, you know, you were part of helping bring clean water to that community.
1: Now, on top of this, you're doing speaking as well, right? How many speaking engagements would you say you're doing now? (laughs) <laughs> uh it, it
2: ebbs and flows depending on the time of the year but uh I would say you know I'm doing you know two or three different engagements uh a month on average and uh and then a lot of just one on one relationship building with with the community partners here in the u s that that are helping us to raise funds, but two to three speaking engagements a month uh sometimes more some sometimes a little less but uh, yeah, I, I enjoy getting out and connecting with people and then also doing some consulting to help organizations and companies that, that are trying to to get past some, some uh, you know, restrictive growth, you know, things that are hindering their growth to, you know, I like using the things that we've learned in our
1: organization to help them catapult forward. Do you have any corporate sponsors or anybody like that 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 kind of pitches in? Yeah. So we've
2: been a, a small grassroots organization most of our existence. We do have a handful of uh, small businesses and, and companies that have helped us in different ways. We don't have any major, major sponsors at this point, but uh, we have a great community of small to medium-sized businesses that have sponsored projects here and there. And it's great to partner with them because it's a chance for them to involve some of their employees because there's ways to do like filter builds with the company and to help them take it beyond just a check to really allow people within the company to really engage.
1: Yeah, but I know that we've got some listeners that are engineers. They work for, you know, all kinds of different organizations. Mm. I wonder oh, if, yeah. if there's that one special one that's listening to us right now that could form that corporate sponsorship that would be, you know, 10, 12 systems, something of that sort.
2: Yeah, well, hey, we're we're a great partner to dream with. You don't have to put a ring on it just to open a conversation <laughs> with us. Um, and so, you know, we're we're possibility thinkers. And so, you know, I would say, hey, if someone's curious about that, feel free to reach out to us, and we can we can talk about what it looks like, and uh, and you know, we'll see where it goes.
1: <laughs> I think that's just as interesting of a challenge if somebody knows, because uh, I can't imagine like um, you know, Dasani or. Right. You, you, you Coca-Cola brand, but Dasani or that kind of stuff. Right. You know, branding up and saying for, you know, for everyone that we sell, you know, 10 cents is going to go to the Gundam Water Project. I, just that That's just a natural thing that should happen. And I think that I, I've just selected a personal mission to make something like that happen. So we're going to take a break right here. We'll be right back with our final segment with James Harrington. You're listening to the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris.
0: you are tuned in to the work-life balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the work-life balance.
1: All right. We're back with our final segment of the work-life balance. And if you missed the last segment, you, you, you missed the fact that I'm actually calling into the credibility uh, of this audience uh, of our influence. We've been doing this show a long time. We want to know who's out there. And for, for the first time we had a call to action to make sure that uh, we could actually deliver some clean drinking water to the, to the people of Uganda. And it's very, very inexpensive. And if we can't meet this goal, may be severely disappointed um talk to tell everybody what the website is too where they can go donate
2: yeah so ugandanwaterproject.com slash work dash life and that's how you can you can go to right to that campaign page this is specifically for this audience it's going to be great to see everyone's response
1: yeah so excited so please please help us out And uh, don't make me look like a complete 100% failure as a radio show host. That would be fantastic. But again, um, we will go find corporate sponsors to match whatever this audience gives. And if I can't find corporate sponsors to do that, I can signed up to match it personally. So we are going to double whatever it is that you guys bring in to to help out. And again, impact generation after generation of the Ugandan people, which I, I think is fantastic. Um, James, how do people get in touch with you, though, to, to find out more? In fact, the person that just figured out how to wrangle Dasani into donating to you, how do they get in touch with you?
2: <laughs> yeah. So, certainly, you can go to our website, ugandanwaterproject.com, and contact information is there. You can also email us at info at ugandanwaterproject.com, or uh, you can find us on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, we're really easy to find Uga- at, at Ugandan Water. And uh, and so certainly, you know, there's there's all kinds of ways we make it really easy to find us, and we'd love
1: to hear from you. Outstanding. So one of the questions we ask every guest, right, is what is some of the greatest advice you've ever received?
2: Yeah, I think especially because I faced the challenge of uh, serving as a leader of a cross cultural organization. One of the best pieces of advice I got was at very best you'll never know and you'll never see more than half the situation. And so that that advice really uh, positioned me with from a place of humility to recognize that there's a, a cultural fog that I'm only coming from one perspective. And so I have to really uh, partner with my team in Uganda and, and really assume that in every situation there's something I'm missing. If something goes wrong and I'm upset um, or it seems like a deadline's being missed or it it might look like one thing from this side, but I need to assume that there's a whole nother perspective that could have cultural significance or local intelligence. And so you have to live in a place of just really restricted um, response because you have to assume that, hey, there's a
1: whole lot more than usual that I can't see. Does that make sense? That is beautiful. I mean, incredibly beautiful. I love even just the the first way that you stated that, right? I only, no matter how good I am, I can only see half, and, right. and I think that's that's fantastically said, um, especially as you know people are going in to design a solution, solve a problem, right? right? Just status meetings for that matter. Yeah. Um, recognizing very, that you're only providing 50% of it, right?
2: And a, and a very funny story recently that wraps it up was uh, I got a text message from my team with a picture it's, uh, of our truck on its side in a ditch. And I was like, oh my gosh, what happened to the truck? And the response I got back was cow. And I realized, <laughs> you know, I'm like thinking, how in the world do these guys, you know, ditch our truck? because a cow is in the road, like we've got a big rack on the front, like hit the cow, we'll buy the guy another cow. And when I basically responded like that, you know, I was like, why did we ruin the truck for a cow? Uh, They said, well, when you hit a cow, you have to not just pay for the cow, but you have to pay for every cow that cow could have fathered or mothered. Wow. It could be astronomical. They said, well, you know, a little body work on the truck is really not that big of a deal compared to all those cows. And I was like, Oh, I never thought of that.
1: <laughs> well, and, and now we've turned off anybody who loves cows. Since you just advocated the, no, I'm just teasing. But <laughs> no, but that, but that's true. It's right seeing the other side of the story, seeing the other half. I think that's oh yeah, that's a great yeah, absolutely. I think, that, I think that that happens with my kids all the time. I come home, what's going on? And then you find out, and you're like, I'm a jerk for even being mad.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. you got to stay in that place of humility. And uh, it's hard to do sometimes because we want to jump to a conclusion. And we're problem solvers, right? We're problem right. solvers. So. so any final words for the audience? Hey, it's just so great. I, you know, the work we do a lot the audience here in particular, understands what it takes to move projects from point A to point B. You understand the the importance of relationship and logistics, you know tactics as well as community and a lot of people don 't always understand that, that that charities like ours really rely on those those fundamentals, those nuts and bolts kind of skills. And so the truth is, I really have so much in common with the people that are listening to this program. And so to be able to be a guest here and invited into your world is a real privilege. We thank you for having us here uh, on behalf of the people in Uganda and our team at the Ugandan Water Project. I just want to say thanks, Rick, because I love your heart. I love the passion that you have for being a bridge builder. And even the way you have, you know, taken a leap and laid it on the line to mobilize this audience to say, hey, let's do more than listen." Let's jump into this story. Let's not watch this story. Let's write this story together. And we can't wait to see what happens with this effort to bring clean water from the work-life balance audience.
1: And that means you're just going to have to come back and tell us the results. Once we've accomplished the goal, the project's done, you get to come back and tell us all about it. Well, that'll be great, man. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us, man. It's been a pleasure. Um, and I, I can't wait till our paths cross again, which hopefully will be soon. Not sure if you'll be there in August, as busy as you've been, but- uh,
2: I'll be in Africa in August.
1: <laughs> okay. All right. But we'll catch you back at another JMT event. Um, speaking of that, right, for those of you that are still interested in trying to figure out the John Maxwell team and why we talk about it, hopefully you're starting to to get an understanding of the caliber of people that you have access to beyond just the, the incredible training and all that kind of stuff. What I stay into this team for is to meet people like James, to be part of that story um, and, and to continue to, to meet people who inspire me on a daily basis and, and quite frankly uh, are better than me on a daily basis. And, and the only way I feel like I can become better uh, as an individual in, in all phases of, of my life, you know, spiritually, as a leader, as a, as a family person, whatever, is to learn from these people. And um, And they're so giving. They're so wonderful. So if you're interested, you can always hit me up at Rick A. Morris. I can get you more information on the John Maxwell team. Uh, next week, again, we're not going to be live uh, as I play Daddy Camp. For those of you that don't know what Daddy Camp is, we did a great show on that uh, a few months ago, uh, explaining the whole concept and why we call it Daddy Camp. Uh, and so that'd be also a perfect way for you to go back and listen to some of the archives in the Voice American Business Network there. You can search the work-life balance, or you can also go to rickamorris.com and find all our past episodes there. All of them are on iTunes or Android, whatever it is that you're listening to. But uh, make sure that you, uh, you stay with us. We're certainly appreciative of your time and, and listening. And, and now we get to see what kind of action we pull out of this too, because I would love this to be over by the time half of you are listening to this on download that we've already gotten our first one, we're working on our second one. That would be such a great challenge and I'm just going to hope and pray that that's what we do. So James, thank you, brother Uh, and for the rest of the audience we will talk to you two Fridays from now right here on the Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to Rick Morris. We'll talk to you next time.